0: what's up what's up what's up everybody this is Carmine Davis and you are listening to the Carmine Davis show y'all it's New Year's Eve 2020 is like a day away from ending but I hate that people talk about it like when 2020 the day January the 1st boom you know coronavirus is gone and everything will return to normal this is our way of life now um but i'm not gonna lead it on a negative note we're gonna keep it positive um until i decide to switch it up a little bit but <laughs> and keep it real um but how was your week christmas is really really great um i'm still waiting on my bag y'all gonna have to tune in for that so I can show y'all what bag I got. I'm very proud of it. It's the first designer bag that I bought myself in like years the first the the first designer piece I've ever like purchased was a Chanel wallet that I lost maybe like two months later. I'm notorious for losing wallets um keys i d s Um, I'm horrible about losing things. So I told myself I would never spend that much money. It was like a a $400 wallet, I mean, wallet or something. Like it was like expensive. And I worked at the department store at the time. So I got a discount, but baby, like it wasn't that much of a fucking discount just for me. And I just, I would lose it. I think I actually lost it, um, on a trip. I think I lost my ID and everything. I never purchased another designer like, little piece ever again but I think I'm old enough I'm grown now you know I I get my I deserve a little piece um that I can purchase for myself you know and um cherish I'm someone who likes to I, I cherish things um like if I get something like designer or something like that as a gift or something like that I tend to not cherish it as much as if it wasn't if it was from mine. Like if I knew what I did to purchase it. Well, obviously not. I, I lost a whole wallet in a hotel, a whole Chanel wallet in a hotel, and never found it. It's actually on a trip that I came to record actually in Atlanta before I moved here to Atlanta, and I lost it in like a hotel motel or something like that, and. I got my ID and stuff back. It was a it was really pretty cherry red Chanel wallet. I'll never forget it. It was like um, a, such an interesting color. And looking back on it, it was actually a very chic color. I loved that color. I, you know, uh, I had impeccable taste, darling. Even at, in, in um, my junior college years, I think it was in junior college. And I went, I came to Atlanta to record with this producer. For like four or five days. And we were in this hotel motel. My management at the time had me in this hotel motel or whatever it was. And I think I left. Trying to catch my flight. Double back. Made the person turn around after I found out that I couldn't. It was a mess. Nobody could find the wallet. And I knew it was gone. Like, But I, it wasn't one of those flashy with the Chanel emblems. Like, But if you opened it and flipped into it, it was a Chanel i It was it was a really really pretty, um, cherry red Chanel wallet, and it did uh, it did have a Chanel bro like little logo on it, Ugh. but it's gone. But I got something on the way, and I wanna make sure you follow me, um, on Instagram or on Snapchat, Carmine Davis. You're gonna see it. I'm gonna stunt my little bag, or whatever. But. Also, if you are just tuning into the show, it's your first time, maybe um, you're one of those uh, stalker listeners who listen every week, but won't follow, won't subscribe. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, that follow button, follow, subscribe, like, rate, review this show because I don't do it for my health. You know, shit, we, a bitch is trying to come up. You know, 2020, 2020 I, I, you could not tell me that. When I started the show, um, and I would say we started in April, I literally thought we, I thought we were, I would be recording. I did this podcast. A little bit of me thought I would be recording and using this as a, <laughs> like some kind of um, capsule Um, recording the the end of our days, but we are here in twenty. We're about to see twenty twenty one. A lot of people, it's it's funny. Like, of course, you know, days. You know, we're gonna make it through the year, but it didn't feel that way at one point. Like, you know, like it felt like these were the end of our days, but we made it. Um, and I got a a nice little Chanel. I've got my not. Oh. Ignore that. That's not the brand that I'm getting. I want you to be surprised, darling, when you see the bag. I got myself a designer bag, and I can't wait for it to come to commemorate me making it for 2020. Um, Speaking of designer, there was supposed to be a segue. (laughs) Child, that leads us to our hot topic. We always start the show, just in case you're new, we start the show off with a hot topic. It's our first segment. We do three segments in the show. And our first one is a hot topic. And this one is spicy, kind of like it's scandalo, muy scandalo, baby. Like it's it's a mess. Okay. So this one, of course, is from lovebescott.com. Shout out to lovebescott.com over there. uh, Fashion designer Alexander Wang accused of sexual assault by several models. You know, I have a love for fashion and everything, like, beautiful. I have an appetite for sexy things. But one thing I will say is that even a little bit of people that I know in the fashion industry or um, the little people that I know that are really into that fashion life, and they're very dark people. It's a very dark space. Um, I don't even like being around (laughs) those type of people, fashion designers. I don't... uh, It's it's, it's a very dumb, even musicians, producers, all of that, actors, how managers, um, entertainment and and art, it tends to be very dark. I try to live a very, um, normal life, um, but it's, it's dark and Alexander Wang right now is in a, is in a, uh, a bind. Alexander Wang is being accused of sexual assault another one okay um the designer behind his eponymous new york based label is facing backlash after the industry watchdog instagrams um diet prada shit model management um these are both instagram handles that you can follow and they keep you in the know about all the fashion. i had no idea this Um, But they began sharing accounts, most anonymous, alleging sexual misconduct by the designer. In one post, account shared, modeled Owen Mooney, came forward in a candid TikTok video describing an encounter involving Wang. Mooney said he met Wang in a crowded New York City club in 2017, where he was groped by the designer in the genitalia area. I was by myself at one point and this guy next to me obviously took advantage of the fact that no one could fucking move and he just started like touching me up and fully like up my leg and my crotch. Like it made me freeze completely because I was in such shock. I looked to my left to see who it was and it was this really famous fashion designer. Like I couldn't believe that he was doing that to me. It made me go into even more shock. It was really fucked up, Mooney said. While Mooney did not name his assailant um, in his initial video, he did call out the designer by name in a follow-up post on TikTok when fans commented and correctly guessed it was Wang. This comment surprised me just because they actually got it right, Mooney said, about the commenter who called out Wang. Turns out Alexander Wang is a massive sexual predator, Mooney concluded, and there's been a load of other people that he's done this to. So in that case, he needs to be exposed. People has reached out to representative for Alexander Wang's brand for comment. A spokesperson of the company declined to comment to InStyle and WWD. And no third party has come forward to confirm or contest Mooney's account. In the post by Ship Model Management, the Instagram acla- account declared Alexander Wang has been accused of sexual assault for a few years now. Instead of letting these occurrences be swept under the rug, it is time to do something about this. Please unfollow Alexander Wang and Y, and Alexander Wang, um, Alex Wang and Y, and Alexander Wang and Y to show your support to the victims. The account, when shared anonymous and unverified stories of the designers alleged inappropriate behaviors with one identified person claiming Wang laced their drink with Molly. And another uh, also unidentified claiming Wang coerced them into his room for the night. Wang, who has tight knit relationship with stars, including Gigi and Bella Hadid, Kylie Jenner and Haley Baldwin has often glorified party culture in his runway shows and fashion designs. His spring 2018 show was entitled Wang Fest and featured headpieces with the words Party Animal and Wang Over. On Tuesday, the Model Alliance, which works to promote fair treatment, equal opportunity, and sustainable practices in the fashion industry, announced that it stands in solidarity with those who have shared accusations of sexual abuse by Alexander Wang. The statement, which was first reported by Women's Wear Daily, reads, let's be clear. The fashion industry's lack of transparency and accountability leaves all models vulnerable to abuse, regardless of their sex or gender identity. The alliance encourages anyone in need of support to help filing or help filing formal complaints to email support at modelalliance.org. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, an Instagram story shared on Wednesday, Mooney wrote, my face may be attached to this news, but I want it to be there to give an- others who experience much worse than me to have the bravery to come forward and tell their truth in an industry that is rooted in so much sexual violence with many people abusing their power to commit such violent behavior. A predator is a predator. Now that these allegations are making headlines, we expect for more to surface in the coming days absolutely okay so alexander wang is uh, um i guess technically he would be one of the last people in 2020 um men in quote-unquote power to have these accusations thrown at him which i a thousand percent believe i don't i believe okay I've said it many a times, um, on this show. I believe that a lot of men in power are sexual predators. They are manipulators. Like think about, especially those that, that have an industry a presence in the industry in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, before social media became a, a weapon. We have weaponized social media this year, which I'll I give us uh, boomers and everybody hates it. I had this one guy I was working with. I'm sorry, I got, I have, um. what are these? Uh, cheddar Jalapeno Cheetos on oh my... I want these to be in puffs. I want I want to try the puffs. I got these on my finger. I'm sorry. But, um... I feel like... I was working with this person. I'll try not to give... I was just talking to my best friend Malik about this. Sometimes, some of the things that I say on the show might, uh, um... resonate... Or sound like I'm speaking about someone in my personal life. But I never talk about anybody in my personal life at all on the show unless I say so. And, um, or my my work life. I never really, I try not to, you know, address the mess on my show. I like, I'm a very confrontational person. Not an unnecessary confrontational person. But I believe in confrontation. I believe that it's necessary. But anyway, I work with this one particular person who did not like us working with phones. Like, if we were working on a project or working on anything like that, we had to completely have the phones off. Um, especially when he found out about the podcast. Any kind of working environment or anything like that, he was all me like white on rice. As if I was like a journalist. You know what I'm saying? Like... He didn't want to um have certain things that were going on in his work environment, I guess to see the light of day because the things that he was doing and the way the people were running and and all that was very foul It was very disgusting um even maybe unhygienic <laughs> um but a lot of people like a lot of boomers or older people, not even boomers i think he's he of course he's like a thirty eight year old guy white guy of course but uh um he there we have we've weaponized social media. This is a TikTok um uh account where this man exposed Alexander Wang. You know, the TikTok the baby show me something like, like where Sure, like yeah, people are dancing and coming up with routines with their granny and all this and a third. But this is these websites and these Instagrams are locked and loaded and they're ready. There's an underbelly that are you can find out anything about anybody. I had no idea that there were fashion Instagrams where they were exposing and discussing like the hard truths about this industry. This fashion industry. So um one thing also is that um Alexander Wang is a gay male in power. <sighs> I hate that. This is but it's it happens. A lot of gay men that I work with who have some kind of clout or some kind of um status or money, or they are they are predatorial, especially to um the heterosexual community men they use their power their money to woo the usually unattainable like they'll hire these boys i I worked with a certain (laughs) here i go Uh, maybe i do be (laughs) maybe i do be exposing people but i will never i will never say your name like but you if you hit it hits but it's the truth like i worked with um i was working i was working on a song with a particular songwriter and this person is is kind of kinda of known, kinda, of, and especially in Atlanta. She's kind of one of those girls, you know what I mean? Like one of those girls. So what do they they call it? Gay socialites. And um hanging out with her, I made the mistake, which I usually never do. I never hang out with the people I usually collaborate with. I don't hit the clubs, but I'm I've been trying to be more of a support type of person I, I try not to keep that distance because people think i'm cold or that i am stuck up or but every time i hang out with you hoes y'all are on some weird shit it's getting weird you know what i mean having these niggas around throwing money at them to to, to do weird things to you and oh this is my strong boy you know what do he what do he call this i don't want to say that but it was something on the lines of that like <laughs> he had this one particular guy who was his quote unquote security guard and we were at um, a particular club in Atlanta. Okay. And we probably one I, I didn't want to go anywhere because I have been at the clubs maybe two or three times since this whole pandemic thing happened. Maybe four, four times, which is four times way too many. But Three of them was my best, my um, my other best friend, and then this one time I went with this with this writer, and of course, you know, apparently I, I finally saw my first bag of blow. I have never in my twenty something years of life have ever seen cocaine up close. Never done it. Never did it. Never. You know what I mean? Like that was something that I knew the girls did, but nobody had. This is the kind of girl that I was dealing with. Like she had the audacity. do it just in front of me all willy nilly she had no we had never met we met virtually she had no idea who i was what i was about you know she she was that kind of girl and she pulled it out of her fucking bag and they were doing it and then she had this boy he was big he was sexy you know but this boy was clearly not interested in any of well you know from what i gather this bitch was high, um, letting him do the coke. You know, they they what they do is like offer a service to these boys. He might be might have been some cokehead, some broke cokehead who was living on the floor somewhere. She went, she got a couple of you know month a couple of dollars at her, put her put him in some clothes and shit like that in exchange. You know what I mean? Like they pray, they prey on the heterosexual men, and it's sad. Like it's. Like, why can't you now I I do know that a lot of heterosexual men feel more comfortable um, being with um, a gay who is in power like that whole Jeffree Star thing. But I do think that there's a flip side where there is they're seducing them or they're feeding them, giving them little crumbs to keep them around. They're starved, little boy. So they give them something, take them out of a bad situation, and in return, when it get things get too dark, you know they are holler, and it, it gets too hot, and things get too heavy, and it gets too serious. And here you are, you know, eat my pussy or get the fuck out of my house, and that's not okay. You know what I mean? Like, why the fuck would you put somebody in that situation? Why can't you know what I mean? Like, why find these poor innocent boys these street niggas and get them high get them all oiled up and they'll play the game like he was playing the game first but he was clearly I wasn't high like that I I think I might have had a a half of a blunt or some shit like that but I was gone off of um some Hennessy but I could clearly see that this nigga was nerd like he was uncomfortable But it was like a sad situation. And I feel like that's exactly what the whole situation is with Alexander Wang. A lot of gay men in power tend to prey on the heterosexual men in their team, or they go and find them some poor down and out heterosexual man, move them in, you know, dress them up, you know, Oh, we're just friends. And that one wild night, you know, get in my belly, you know, and, and, (laughs) You know, or someone that works with them, someone who works for them, um, you know, an assistant that you've had for years, you get drunk or a high off your ass and y'all back at the hotel and I, oh, you know, come into my room, Christopher, you know, and it's, it's weird. It, it, it is, I'm, it's just as bad. It is, it, it is, it's just as bad as what these men do to these women. It's just as bad it's, it's horrible. Like it's disgusting. And it's never that serious. It's never that serious, girl. Get yourself a boyfriend. Somebody, I'm sure some Alexander Wang could find, pull him some gay man. Sorry, I had to sip on my Slurpee. Why are you harassing some poor model in the club? And especially in these times. I, that's what we have sex workers for do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I, I don't want 2020 to end without people. I want to clear this up. I think I've said it a few times, but I think people think I am a slut shaming most of the time. I am pro sex worker. I'm pro sex work. I'm pro sex with people doing what they want to do in good conscience and good health. And in, um, and a good amount of when it's not taken over your life or you're in control of it and you're aware of what's going on. Um, sex workers are important in these situations. So you won't be attacking your coworker. If you want to go blow a couple of thousand dollars on somebody, get you some sugar, like get you some, a sugar baby, some hoe that'll be tied up, for you, when you get home, you could just an, abuse, give a couple of thousand and sit on his way. Like, that's the important. Alexander Way could have a house full of, um, you know, Instagram boys who's ready to sell their booty for a trip to Miami. But you chose to attack the unattainable. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Like when I think about Bill Cosby and the women, the picture, people are like, oh, he didn't do that with her. Oh, he didn't do that with her. Look at this lady. But if you really think about it, men tend to, gay or straight, they tend to go for the unattainable. They, that's what they want. Um, Alexander Wayne could find a, a lot of beautiful men in power who would probably, hell, Alexander Wayne could call me and I'll, you could fill me up at the club. Titty, you I mean touch whatever the fuck you want, Alexander Wang. I'm down. Like I, you would never you wouldn't hear a peep. I keep my mouth shut. One thing about me is I keep a secret. You know, I'll keep a motherfucking secret. If you tell me to shush, it's zip. <clears throat> done. Like, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are so many people out there who would go for Alexander Wang. Alexander Wang is a beautiful man. He is a citizen of the world. Like any man, anywhere, but you chose to attack a model and rub him in the club. Why? Why couldn't you just take your ass home or get one of the little booty boys or the dick, you know, these dick dons or whatever, and pay him a couple thousand that night and touch all over him. Like why put yourself in that situation? And it's the chase. It's, it's, they want something unattainable. They want to um, bring someone down. They want to, you know, I knew you wanted me. And that's disgusting. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. It's never okay. You know, and then if you think that some is, some, some, sometimes, you know, these guys may really be interested in you. You know, you don't know if this Mooney boy was woulda went down. All else fails, wait. Let him touch you first. Like, let him make out with you. Really lean in for you first. You know, give him a little vibe and say what you gotta say. But if he doesn't touch you, if he doesn't, you know, he's not interested. Find somebody that is. And now your career is gonna be damaged because of it. Alexander Wang, I, th- I feel like Connor was already teetering on finding his way into the cold sale department anyway mark my words <laughs> more and more people are going to talk about this in 2021 and you're going to see a little alexander wayne tease at your teacher next, if you don't already but anyway that's a mess i think this year has just been the year of and i think it's because pe- men don't understand that that's not okay You know, like you can work and be in a work, even when you're at the club, you're at work. That's what a lot of people don't understand is like you're at a working situation when you're with these models or with these other fashion designers, fashion buyers. Uh, You know, like you're still it's still technically work. You're just having a good time. So why would you let that affect? Like, come on, you can't tell me Alexander Wang can't get a house of booty voice. Just ready, you know, in bikinis, ready, to all kinds of sides. That's what I would do. I would have a house full of niggas um, in drawers waiting on me. Cooking, cleaning, whatever, um, shopping. If I had that kind of money, you know, why, why not? Have to Get you some hoes, get you uh, fucking, um, what's his name? Rest, is, rest in peace, Playboy. Um what's his name? Oh my God. What (laughs) the, it's late. What is his name? Oh yeah. Hugh Hefner. He had a house, he had a house full of women he didn't touch, but he had three girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? Like think smart. Like these are women that he could be with, use and abuse. They were, I'm sure they were treated lovely. Like they were fine and they were consensual. Hello. I think pussy and ass and dick is better when it's and mouth is better when it's consensual. And it doesn't come with a fucking price tag, but okay. We're off that. If you are just tuning in, um, follow, subscribe, like, and rate and review this show. Obviously it's a little crazy. (laughs) I said all that just to say, keep your hands to your fucking self until there is consent on both ends. But anyway, moving on, the middle topic is always um, um, the artist spotlight. And we usually talk about um, a particular artist, a group or a album, a song or a concept that I find very interesting or inspiring. And this week I want to ha- talk about an album by a particular icon that I feel like doesn't get the love that it deserves to my generation for the impact that it has and had and the doors that it kicked open for our faves and that is uh, I'm your private dancer a dancer for money do what you want me to do just a private dancer A dancer for money and any old music will do. I'm your private dancer. Okay. (laughs) Private Dancer by Tina Turner is that girl. And I feel like people have no idea of this generation, how impactful this album truly is, how great it is from start to finish, how, even the imagery, I've, I, like, I listened to this album. The lyrics, her vocals, her, the concepts of this album is so ahead of its time. Anything before that wasn't done, especially from a black woman. And I want to take the moment to spotlight this album. Okay. If you don't know, for some, some reason, Private Dancer came out March, 2009 in 19, March the 29th in 1984 It's pop rock and R&B category in the genres. And it was released on Capitol Records. The producers were Terry Britton, Carter, Leon Chancellor, Wilton Feldler, (laughs) Rupert Hine, Joe Sample, Greg Walsh, Martin Ware. I know who Rupert Hine is. I've heard of Terry Britton, but I've heard of both of them from this album. What happened was, okay, so as you know, Tina Turner left Ike a couple of albums, um, before that, um, the private dancer album was, um, what was it? Um, wasn't private dancer, like her fourth album. Yeah. Okay. So so she had Tina Turner turns the country on, um, acid queen, rough love explosion. Then she came out in 1984. So it was like her 10 years later, she got, to Private Dancer. So she did four albums in between then after leaving Ike, um, breaking away from Ike. But Private Dancer was the album that solidified her as that girl, that that, that solo girl. She finally got the hits, something to stick. And she went to Britain, the UK. Most of these producers were from England. She recorded all of it in England, right? Yeah, in the May 1st studios, Wessex Sound Studios, Good Earth Studios, Abbey Roadhouse, and the CBS Studios in London, England. And she worked with these producers, and they turned her sound inside out. What I love about the most popular song from the album is What's Love Got To Do With It, is if you listen to everything that Tina Turner had done up until that point, it was nothing like it. You can hear the change sonically, And the change, even from the theme, this sounds like a woman who is finally into her own skin. But there's a soft sense of that. Like that. It was so in the pocket. But her vocals were still the funk and the rock and roll and the soul that we've heard from her time and time again with Ike, or she didn't have to pull back vocally, but the sounds were soft and British. There was no horns. There were no electric guitars. There were no bass. It was, it was just the whole album was just in the pocket. Just like how she's nodding her shoulders. That's the sound. That was it and it gave her that cross appeal, whether I don't think that that was something that she was looking for, but that, cause I don't think there was that before Tina Turner made R and B. She, she really was one of the first people to create an R and B female pop crossover appeal. You have Diana Ross, but Diana Ross was R and B. This woman was so rock and roll and she bridged the gap with the boys in America and made it, a crossover because she was compared to David Bowie. Um, those boys, like those particular, the big boys, you know what I'm saying? Like she was with the touring acts. It made, there was no girl there. We didn't have that. It was Tina Turner. Diana Ross was with the big boys in R&B pop. You know, Michael Jackson was with the Beatles and those boys, but we didn't have a sister that rocked and rolled, you know, who, a touring act who created that, Soft that could go onto the alternative genres or the uh could be played on a soft pop rock radio. Tina Turner created that. And she went to the UK and worked on that album like tirelessly for an entire entire year in the UK and came back with an amazing album that changed the game. This album, listen to it. It 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 changed the game. Um Let's Say Together, the cover, um, the Al Green cover, which is actually that's my favorite. Um, rendition of the album. I mean, on um, rendition of the song. Honestly, I, I love Al Green's Boom, Dunt, Dunt, Boom, Dun, Dun, I love, but I love that version. But she did that song first and released it first. It was actually, that was actually the first single from this album. It was released November the 7th, 1983. And that was if you listen to her version, I think you will hear what I'm talking about, how I thought that was so purposeful, how they chose to use a song from somebody similar in genre. Originally, Al green and Tina Turner did kind of the same music, you know what I'm saying? But it was soft. When, 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 when. Since we've been, yeah. Like, her but her voice was still <clears throat> like it was that it was the same soul rock that she was known for, the same soul rock that was in Al Green's voice, but the instrumentation. and then even the good or bad being sad. I thought it was so amazing how she had those white men come in here and gave her she had changed nothing about herself. She just changed people she was around and they created a sound together and brought it back to the States and it put her against like the Bowie's and those rockers who were on the road, who were looking for that sound. They couldn't do it like that. They either had to do one or the other, the Phil Collins and those big boys who were like, Fixtures on the the adult charts in the rock stations and played all, everywhere. Even the "Show Me Some Respect," it's her vocals are the strong is the strength in that whole album. But the instrumentation was so vulnerable, soft, but still funky and dynamic. Even on the album cover, it's just a black a gray silver background. Her cross leg with the cat. One particular song that made me um, love this album so much and an album that it made an album that ha- impacted me personally was the lyrics in it um, besides for you know I've been drinking on a new direction and I have to say I've been thinking about my own protection it scares me to feel this way <laughs> I love, I always love that, that lyric to me. Like I, that's the lyric in that song that stands out to me the most. But I might've been queen was one of the best songs that I ever have ever heard. I still get chills when I think about that song because um, it talks about it was written by Tina. It was written for Tina. And it was um, the first song on the album. It set the mood. It set the tone for it. And most people know it from the What's Love Got To Do With It movie. But when you hear the song all the way around, it was written by Jeanette um, Opstarch, I think, and Rupert Hein, who I know, and Jamie West Orem for the Private Dancer album. And the lyrics were about her life. It was supposed to be um, telling Turner's story. Following a discussion with Rupert Hine, co-writer Jeanette Obstach spoke with Turner about her life, starting with the cotton fields in Nutbush, Tennessee. They also discussed Turner's interest in Egypt and her belief in previous lives, including her apparent belief that in a prior life, she was a chet soup, a pharaoh who took the throne from her brother. I Might Have Been Queen was performed on the 1984 Private Dancer Tour and during the performance at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, July 17, 1993. I don't think she's performed it much after that. But to me, those... Uh, that, that song, to me... And I always connect it to the song... Ever since I heard it, like I don't know what it the the musical dynamic with the lyrics and her vocal performance. I mean, come on, it's Tina Turner, like she sung the shit out of this song. But there was a breakdown in this um, the verse one, I'm a new pair of eyes every time I am born, an original mind because I just died, and I'm scanning the horizon for someone recognizing that I might have been queen. For every sun that sets, there is a new one dawning. For every empire crushed, there is a brand new nation. Let the water rise. I have ridden each tide from the gates of the city where the first one died. Like, I get chills. Like, I get... I get chills. I had to be like, when I first heard the song, I had to be like eight or seven or something like that. And I still get those chills. I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. I had no idea, but I knew those words were magical. Those, whatever she was saying was enchanting and seeing this black woman, seeing these beautiful words. And we've seen all these, you know, torch bearing musical, you know, sisters with soul talking about love, but never kick no shit like that like oh my god and i'm a new pair of eyes and an original mind with a sense of a old my senses with my senses of old and the heart of a giant and i'm searching through the wreckage for some recollection that i might have been queen for every stage that falls there's an ancient child I look up to the stars with my perfect memory. I look through it all and my future is no shock to me. I look down, but I see no tragedy. I look up to my past, a spirit running free. I look down, I look down and I'm there in history. Ho, oh, I'm a soul survivor. Ho, oh, I'm a soul survivor. Ho, oh, bitch, I'm a, I'm a motherfucking soul survivor. A soul survivor on the river, but it won't stop. A soul survivor on the river, I might have been queen, and it won't stop. That imagery, the water, it never stops. Like it is poetry, like that to me. It's about life and how it it makes me believe in reincarnation. Just simply, like. A song from a sister, from a black woman, that made me change the way I looked at my life—not just my love, not my family, but the way I look at life and spirituality. On this pop rock R and B album, it was in such a big way of opening that the album to me and impact. It impacted me, and it will never go away. I listen to the song every time. It has this. It gives me chills talking about the song. Gives me such chills. Like, I uh before the year ends out, um, if you just listen to this New Year's Eve or just begin your year, I want you to listen to Tina Turner's private dancer album. You can literally listen to it doing anything. Um, jogging, cleaning up, reading, chilling, hanging out, park, getting ready for a party. It's the perfect album to me. And the lyrical content where some of the things I have still never heard before expressed in such a way that I never think that anyone else could do but Tina Turner the way she did it it discusses life love death reincarnation um, um, separation loneliness and she sung the shit out of the whole album the covers are amazing help um, please help me Like she, <laughs> she did the shit out of that. Like, mm, please help me, help. Like, I li- listen to the album, and if you have some taste, you'll know what the. F- I don't have to say no more. I don't have to say anymore. If you have taste, you'll hear what I'm talking about. The uh, the sounds and the concept, and you can literally hear it. And certain artists work today, but beforehand, you never go listen to Tina Turner's albums before this and hear how abrupt and how imagery, how everything changed. And this made her that girl. That was her breakout album. It We forgot Ike ever existed. This album was so sonically, vocally. Uh, images tina turner became a vamp she became she was in these short skirts and what it reminds me so much of rihanna like i would say that this album was similar to anti you know what i mean like rihanna's anti it it was up until like i think the theme of what happened with her and chris brown was constantly lingering over her I, you know, as fans, we, you know, we kind of forgot. But even on Talk That Talk and um, what was that album that she did? Unapologetic. Up until those times, like, Chris kind of always loomed over her musically, like, and career-wise. And when she did Anti, it was almost like she had a complete separation. Like, we, oh, this girl is an artist. You know what I mean? Like, I knew we knew that before, but it. I felt like it was the same. This is she had a private dancer moment. Like we've heard multiple albums from her post her abuse or post uh, post her situations, you know, but that album made you realize that she was here to stay and she is an icon. Like she is in her own lane, in her own thing, and put her up there with the big boys for real. And I think private dancer... Was that album for Tina Turner and Anti was that album for Rihanna. That's what it just makes me think of, like, even subject wise, like when she started discovering and talking about things more spiritual, even covers. Like, I feel like that album, Anti and Private Dancer, were so similar. There was, she'd never done sounds like that before. It was Private Dancer, um, I mean, Anti is Rihanna's Private Dancer and if you like anti you'll love Private dancer um and listen to it let me know what you think tweet me at carmine davis um instagram.com slash carmine davis show you know i i threw the rihanna thing in there for the people who this generation who don't listen to anything that didn't come out in before 2010 i don't know like it's, it's weird talking to music with people because they don't know any of it. Like I was, I was talking to someone who was the same age, and I was like, "You, who, who was I talking about?" Mentioning like um, uh, Tina Marie and people like that. Like, and they're like, "I don't know who that is." Like, people who try to act like they have no idea that there were albums before. Rihanna ever made one or Beyonce ever made one but when you go back and you go and listen to those rich albums you'll see how much of it is so filtered down and how these songs that you think are the best songs in the world are really just blips on such an an amazing soundscape that's out there musically um and that was the point of the segment was to kind of educate people about how music is never ending And you could literally listen to Private Dancer, an album that came out way before I was born, and have an appreciation for it and a love for it. And it can impact your musical taste and your music. Like me as an artist, when I think about albums, when I'm making my album, I think about Private Dancer. I want my Private Dancer moment. I want a song like that. When I think, I'm not thinking about. Ariana Grande you know what I'm thinking about <laughs> like not you know nothing mm, respectfully you know what I mean like it's I don't know go listen to it but anyway the third segment this is our last love and relationship segment of 2020 oh my god I, wow I'm so excited okay so we should leave it with some fireworks right oh thank you um uh, Sex. This is our third, uh, just in case you've never heard the show, no, let me do it formally. Um, just in case you never heard the show, our last segment is dedicated to love, relationship, and sex. We talk about some really spicy things, child. We talk about some real eye-opening things. Um, I can be very critical, I guess. Um, but I, I I do it out of love. You know, I I genuinely feel like I don't know. I have to be honest. This is my show. So I can say whatever I say, um, want to say, um, but I think that there are things that people don't talk about or they talk about like a certain, there's a certain narrative that's out there and there's another narrative that we don't even really talk about. Okay. But anyway, the last segment, is dedicated to a kink that I think a lot of people are into that we don't really realize that we're into. Now, child, we have heard of a foot fetish. but There is this kink that's going on that we might all kind of have a clothing fetish of and not even really recognize it. Um, Glamour.com has this article. Shout out to glamour.com. Um, the link of all these articles, of course, are in the description box. Make sure you read every article. Take a look for yourself. You know, don't take my word for it. I fuck up names, child. I fuck up words. You know what I mean? Like blame it on the do blame it on that, whatever. But Glamour.com says, I sold my used socks to a stranger on the internet for $60 and I would do it again by Kara Mavros. Now, okay, backstory. I got invited to a sex party randomly. I don't even know how the fuck they got my number, child. Like it has to be from, and I've been to sex parties. (laughs) I have a particular friend of mine in common who is an artist who I will not say, you know, he does, you know, he's a rapper, uh, a friend of mine. We are acquaintances and my first like sex party was with him. I won't say his name, you know, you really won't know because y'all know I don't really... Even on my Instagram, I even try to keep people off my feed, like all my friends. I don't know why. It could be maybe a sense of narcissism. You know, I don't really know why I do that. It's just an or, and it's also a sense of protection. Like, I don't, I don't really want as, as I start to separate, I just kind of keep. So you won't know, like, you know, you can go through my followers and figure it out, but you won't know. So the first sex party I've ever been to. Um, was mind blowing. Like it was weird, but to me, I felt like I was in a music video. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like to me in my crazy ass, artsy gay ass mind. Like I thought I was just in a Britney Spears video. I was uh, oh. Mm-hmm. Janet Jackson and but shit got real like pe- they're vulgar like they are not fun like it's not that kind of sexy it's it's nasty and people are fucking so um I've probably been to two two maybe three sex, sex parties and I got I ran I don't know the number it was a, a foot and a, a foot sex party a foot wears socks and, and um, you, you have to wear socks and, you know, they're like, okay, well, you know, apparently, you know, they're like, you know, they know I like to keep my toes pretty and all that. But I don't have a foot fetish like that. That's not something that I would want to go to. But apparently there's a waiting list for it. Like there's a huge waiting list to go. And I'm not going. No Bitch, I'm not going to no sex party about feet, especially during a panty, child. Like... <laughs> Well, I don't know for sure. I said, put me on the wait list, but like just to go, to go and see like, what the fuck is going on in there? Like getting my toes sucked is kind of, it is kind of nice, but it's not, I don't know. Anyway, the article child, the article child. So, it was October 2015 when I first dipped my toes into the fetish industry. A group trip to Universal Studios Orlando led to me posting several Instagram pics featuring pretty girls wearing active wear sneakers and obviously socks. The pictures themselves were kind of thirst traps. I posted them because I knew we looked good. So, I didn't think too much of it when I received a comment from a stranger. Cool, was it fun? The person asked. I replied that it was. The mystery account typed that... Um, its owner had never been there before. From there, the exchange, which seemed totally innocuous at the time, continued, eventually switching to direct message. Is it a lot of walking? He asked, followed by, Was it really hot out today? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty hot, I said, but really fun, worth walking in the Florida heat. A few more niceties were exchanged and then the account got down to business. Cool. One more question. This one's kind of different. Would you maybe sell me the socks you wore today? red (laughs) wait sorry did this man really just ask if he could pay cash money for my sweaty footwear it took me a few minutes to process how i felt about this on one hand they weren't expensive socks so but on the other hand was this opening me up to any kind of potential harm to be clear i have no problem with someone pursuing their kink if it doesn't hurt anyone else same but since this is a stranger on the internet, I was relieved when some light Googling confirmed that no incriminating DNA could be embedded in socks. And there probably wasn't a her hex he could put on me with the access to them. After negotiating the reasonable price of $60 per pair, serious money to a 21-year-old me, I decided to proceed with the transaction. And thus began my one-year relationship with the man I referred to as Sock Daddy. Sock Daddy asked to add me on Snapchat, and I began sending 10-second pictures of my feet that he would screenshot. He would send me mirror selfies of him wearing muscle tanks or sometimes shirtless. He was a normal-looking, attractive, even young man who said he was went to business school in Canada. As far as kinks go, foot fetishes have a long recorded history. Sexologist Tamari Schmidt, PhD, told me that while it's impossible to know how common any fetish is especially something as easy to access as feet or socks. There is evidence this particular internet has interest has been around for a very long time. Take Chinese foot binding, for example, which was first recorded over a millennium ago and which Schmidt said would be considered a form of generalized foot worship. Nowadays, it's safe to say that sock fetishes are probably less popular than shoe or lingerie fetishes based on their respective representations in porn and erotic art. But anything that is associated with a sexualized body part will be popular. And anything that captures fluid, sense, ew, anything that captures, I can't, mean, yuck, anything that captures scents and fluids related to that part is going to have fans. But there are fans and then there are fans. How much would you pay to own Lady Gaga's Joanne hat or Tom Brady's cleats? We have a reverence for objects that were used by the people who we desire and admire, as though the object is infused with the mojo of that person themselves, says Schmidt. It allows us to feel closer to our heroes and crushes, to possess an object that represents them and maybe even carries their scent. So am I the typical person selling their used socks on the internet? I asked Kelly, a sex worker and cam girl who sells her undergarments on Reddit. They sell what on Reddit? I didn't know this was a thing. Okay, so she told me most of her customers are very scared to start, but once they begin, they can't get enough. She also said those who have physically seen her on camera understandably have a stronger connection than other customers. It's a submissive bond that makes them come back for more and more. She said, however, flip fetishes in her experience will usually spread the wealth and she'll often see them buying from other sellers a short as an hour after she sold to them. After Sock Daddy paid me through Snapcash, but before I sent my sock to him, he kept asking for reassurance that they were safe and no one would wash them. I asked him, why does it matter that they're dirty? He told me he likes his, <laughs> yuck, he likes the challenge of making something very dirty clean again. And when I sent them, I kept thinking that it was an easy, low committed commitment enough way to make $60, but there was another reason I did it. The truth is, I was actually incredibly flattered that a stranger thought my feet, which I'd always felt particularly bad about, were sexy. Sure, I've had, I've had guys like me, but never to the degree of, I want to own your smelly socks, fandom. After Sock Daddy and I completed the exchange using a different return address just to be safe, I thought about him a lot. I hoped someone loved him, that it, I was not the only person with whom he felt he could share his kink. Celebration of these fetishes run the gamut from loud and proud to wholly secretive, depending on the person and their perceived costs and benefits of being open. Schmidt said, if someone feels like being overt with their desires will result in realizing a fantasy as opposed to being shamed, they will probably tell partners about it in a minimum. Still, I considered us business partners more than anything else. We kept in touch for about a year and I even tried to sell a few other pairs of used footwear. But it always seemed like he didn't trust me enough to share the specifics of what he did with my socks. That's okay. I figured once I relinquished them, his plans are his own business. And though I don't personally have a kink specific, (laughs) specific enough that I'd seek out an online community for it, if I did, I hope someone would help me out and send me their socks i'll do it again Hmm. okay i'm like her i don't really have i know this sounds so boring and i don't have a kink like that i don't think i think um if i had a kink I, i don't know i don't think i have a kink like that like socks and stuff like that like that's not my thing Feet are cute. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I follow, a, a, like, a foot page <laughs> only because they follow me. That's the weird story. Like, there's this, there was one particular person. Um, I had a similar story. And, like, they started following me because they saw my feet on one of my old Instagram posts or whatever. And he started following me. But they post, like, celebrity feet and i was like wow look and i even see myself sharing it with like my close friends like when 21 savages feet came out i thought they were pretty feet like but it's not like i don't know like it's sort of like it's more like a hmm like he has pretty feet or hmm he has fucking ugly ass feet or some sexy ass feet like i i like a man with nice feet but it's not like, I got to suck on them toes, nigga. Like, no, like, it's, it's let me suck on them toes, nigga. Like, never that serious for me. But there are people, let me smell those socks. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine. Here I am. This is kind of, and I'm sorry, friend. I'm not going to mention your name. I doubt this person is listening to it in any way. Um, but um, this particular person I was talking about, how I could not see myself washing no niggas clothes like i i cannot see it we got to be married and even then i'm not washing your motherfucking shit like no somebody's dirty ass draws and shit like that and he's like i would and i was like why the fuck would you wash some niggas d- draws that you're dating he's like i just love watching looking at my man's drawers, and smelling dirty drawers." out of nowhere bitch like i was just like girl what and you know I appreciate it. Like I'm not to shame. I guess I did shame this person. But like <laughs> girl, what? Like you have to take like understand that I was taken aback. You know what I mean? Like it was sniffing somebody's drawers, like some man's used drawers. Like that's not a kink of mine. I don't like that. Like even men in underwear is not a kink of mine. Like I'm, I I don't I don't know what will be my kink. My kink, honestly, this is real. Now, this is... And it's probably a really weird, weird kind of kink. I'm sorry. These are my chips, child. But um, I had to dig in my chips for this one. Um, My... I love seeing black men and luxury. (laughs) I know this sounds really, 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 really strange. But I love seeing black men and expensive shit. That is really, honestly, my kink. I love seeing, like you know, niggas in the best clothes, you know, I love seeing them in a sexy, like cars, like snob shots and shit like that. Or, um, I love seeing that hashtag snob shot. Like that's my S N O B S H O T. That's kind of my kink. I love a well, very, sorry, a very well-dressed, sexy black man from head to toe and designer. That is my kink. I know that sounds really, really or in a very luxurious setting. Like niggas in their um like like in their Dolce Gabbana swim trunks in the uh, Rio Grande motel with around like basically living the life that I like to lead very luxurious, but I love seeing black men in it, but I'm not This going to say, maybe I need to be tested for narcissism, but I usually, I, they usually have to look like me, like <laughs> brown skin, you know, heavier, tall men, you know, a little good, you know, I, I love that, like in a, in a luxurious with a cigar and in a a back in the back seat of a Maybach or some shit like that or driving a Maybach or uh, driving a Tesla on top of a Tesla car like that gets me excited I don't know what that is like that's probably just as crazy as someone to look to you guys listening like it's probably just as crazy as someone liking to stiff some random white girls socks like sweaty socks like but that's my my kink is seeing black men And luxury Most of the time Like heavier set black men Like football players I love looking like Like football players off duty And like pools and trips And shit like that Like that's my king Watching the basketball players And their cute little outfits Going in Like that's my king But I, you know <laughs> To each his own I guess To each his own <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can get to it. I'm not mad at the foot thing. I will look at a nigga's feet. Like if he's wearing slides and he's got cute feet, I'm like, oh, he got real cute feet. But it's not, it's never that deep. Like even a man in underwear, like I'm not, well, I might be, maybe ass might be my fetish. Um, But I'm not like, like those people who like musty ass and shit like that do not come at me with no musty ass. If it smells anything, like I can deal with a look skin smell. You know what I'm talking about? A little. You hear that? That's how little. Like tiny. That much. of Like a sprinkle of like skin taste. Clean skin. Like I don't want it like a lot of times like You know, I exfoliate with, like, honey or, like, coffee or a cocoa scrub. Um, I'm actually doing a cocoa. Well, I can't. Don't let me reveal. I have a brand that I'm working on, and it's actually we're doing an exfoliator for down there for the boys and, you know, anybody who likes to get it ate. And it's edible. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it also gets you ready to receive, I can't believe I'm talking about it, but I, I like, but I can deal without the flavor or the like completely um, and totally um, honey smell or the vanilla or the, the bath wash. It could smell like skin a little bit clean skin i'm not into the musty booty i'm not into musty dick i'm not into the musty feet like i'm not into that like do not come to my bed smelling must i feel like it's disrespectful if you come into me and throw that musty ass in my face or that musty the musty balls in my face i have a problem with it like get the fuck out of my bed like hell the fuck no no that's one thing that would make me come unglued no money in the world will ever make me suck a musty dick or eat a musty ass and that's the that on that but anyway that's how i feel like that's the perfect way to end the show Uh, (laughs) happy new year thank y'all for tuning in with me my crazy ass segments and my crazy ass show um I will see y'all next year. I hate when people say that shit. I'll see you next year, you know, but I'll see you next year. Um, this year we have some really great guests. I ha- I actually have, everybody was like on park um, for the podcast after the Dawn um, interview, which was like, hell. wasn't that some drama? Like uh, we, we can talk about it now. It's safe to talk about it. But this whole Dawn Robinson and involved thing was like it was grabbing like headlines and shit like that like that was a lot like she went on a bunch of different interviews and read down you know but I have some very interesting people coming in everybody was on park it was the holidays and everybody was just sitting around and I can't wait to get to the point where I get my vaccine and can travel and talk to other people face to face but I have some great interviews next month I think so far next month maybe February definitely before valentine's day i have someone that is on park and we are kicking it off so i'm very important someone fun you probably know who it is if you follow me on twitter at, at carmine da- twitter at carmine davis um you'll probably kind of get a good guess who it is but i won't tell you until we get them in the, their ass on the seat and we would walk. but anyway happy new year i love y'all thank you for your support And I will see y'all next week. Happy New Year.